identity is found. And may we just focus on you, God, not people around us, not distractions on our phones, not uh, thoughts in our heads, God, but we, just, we focus on you, God. Pray for this time in here as we look at our identity, we see where it comes from, God, as we get this, this intro lesson to this, this series. Uh, I pray for our time of, of corporate worship as we worship as, as a body. And may we worship you in spirit and truth. May we just uh, praise your name today. Name I pray. Amen. I like I'm going to scoot up. Everybody's like way back here. Why is everybody so far back? You blew us away. You might buy it. I think it's today. Okay, I think I have a I think next thing is a video. It kind of introduces our little identity, little series here. I think. Yeah. What version of yourself do you show the world? When you post a picture online, what do you want it to say about you? That you're fun, deep, athletic, adventurous? How does what you show to the world compare with your real identity as a child of God and a follower of Christ? You see, God created humans in his own image unlike anything else. When sin entered the picture, all people developed a warped version of their original identity, in need of major restoration. When Jesus died on the cross, he took our broken identities with him and came back to life to offer us a new identity, even better than the first. He identifies with us so we can find our identity in him. We are for this new uh, series, like I told you guys last time, there's five week long series here and then each first week I will be teaching a large group time, kind of introductory session to each of these main uh, roots that we call them here, the roots. Uh, so this one is identity. But as disciples of Jesus, we must change not only the way we see the world, but also how we understand who we are. But before we know who we are, we need to learn whose we are, right? We find our identity in Jesus Christ, and that comes with a mission. If you have your, I forgot to say, if you have your Bible app at Uversion, I did put those notes in there like I did a couple weeks ago on Wednesday nights. So if you go to Uversion and go to events, you can uh, follow along on your phone and keep notes and stuff. So you just go to your Uversion app, open it up, go to more, and then events, and it should be there. Of course, it's not there. Oh, there it is. Had a refresh. So it's got all of our notes. You guys can take notes with it, save it. At the very end, is a Bible reading plan that kind of follows up with this little series, that kind of thing. So, you guys can follow along on your version Bible app. So, but our identity is incomplete without understanding uh, what we are supposed to do and how we are supposed to live. And we are not alone. Others share our identity. So, as image bearers of the one true God, we are His representatives here on earth, right? At the 2008 uh, Beijing Olympics, there's a guy named Steve Perry. He was a former uh, British Olympic swimmer who was uh, doing uh, some reports of the Olympics for the BBC, which is like the British Broadcasting Company there. So he walked around some of the crowds. And his, his, his appearance is very it's similar enough to, uh, to Michael Phelps. You guys know Michael Phelps? Yeah, most decorated Olympian of all time. Um, so he couldn't go anywhere without people thinking that he was a record-breaking uh, Michael Phelps. And so he, he did a little video of what it was like just to walk around uh, there in Beijing. Michael Phelps. My name 
passing resemblance to Michael Phelps that, you know, people there in, in China were just mistaking him, mistook him for, uh, for Michael Phelps. He just had to go around. But though this was a funny example of mistaking our identity, our identity is core to who we are. It's part of, I mean, that's core of each one of us. We each have one, it represents us. So when Perry was mistaken for Michael Phelps, people thought he was somebody that he wasn't, right? So let me ask you this question. How would you describe your identity? Who do you think that you are? Who would other people say that you are? How would they describe your identity? You can just think about it unless you just wanted oh, to no, say that. No, absolutely. You're going to say it. A long time ago, my dad told me, um, how many different Cody's are you? Which Cody are you today? Yeah, because you, you, you come, come to church, you probably have one identity. You go to your circuit for friends, you probably are one person, right? And then all of us could probably be that way. So who, you know, who are you today? That's a good question. You know, which, which person are you trying to be and imitate? You know, we're trying to look good for people at church, or we would not care, whatever, you know. Yeah. So let me ask you this. What are some identities that you can think of? Like at your school, looking around your school, what are some identities that you can think of? I need help you. Like athletes. Like an athlete is an identity. People surround, like that becomes who they are. Who they are. Uh, what about uh, like a cheerleader or a musician, a gamer, skater? What, you know, what, give me some, give me some uh, identities here. Artist. You can't answer these questions, that's why I asked them. Theater. Huh? Theater. Theater? Yeah. Well, so what are some more identities that you may see at school or maybe just within your friend group? Man. <coughs> you guys are on top of things today. That one atheist. Huh? That one atheist? That one atheist? Yeah. Blue hair girl. Yeah, there <laughs> But embracing your true identity begins with knowing who you are. And whose you are. If you you know if you know much about like uh, like I said this is a perfect example because this week um, Jody and I kind of noticed this this week in our little side hustle we have. But celebrities and CEOs they kind of hire image consultants to help them work on like their personal brand and how they're going to look like. Uh, these PR gurus focus on the big and the small things that might affect how other people perceive their clients. I had a friend that was. There's some friends in a Christian band, and they, they were all told they had to dress a certain way by the record label so they could maybe try to sell more CDs and stuff. But, you know, how should you dress, talk, walk, shop, and live so people will react to, the, to them the way I want them to react? Uh, and so, like, this week, Jennifer, or Jody and I, we both work for, uh, for Shipped, and this week they did a little rebrand. They kind of changed the logo, changed the colors. And they, I'm sure they probably hired some sort of a PR kind of person kind of rebrand and that kind of thing. And so this is per pretty common with big companies. But many people believe that they need to create and to shape their own identity. They think it should be manicured and meticulously shaped and, and look a certain way. 
Even those who want to look as though they aren't trying carefully to manufacture their, their cool identity. But if your identity is in anything other than God, it's incomplete. So John Piper says, Christian selfhood is not defined in terms of who we are in and of ourselves. It's defined in terms of what God does to us in a relationship that he creates <coughs> with us and the destiny he appoints for us. In other words, as a Christian, you cannot talk about your identity without talking about the, the action of God on you, the relationship of God with you, and the purpose of God for you. The biblical understanding of human self-identity is radically God-centered. That was John Piper. So what does the Bible say about who we are in Christ? Thank you for asking that question. That's a good thing to know, right? What does the Bible say? What does God say? But throughout the Gospels, Jesus used the following metaphors and ideas to communicate with us about you know, who we are as his followers. If you have the Bible app and you're on the events, it'll go right in order. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 1. Says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So what is that verse telling us? Pretty easy. We're supposed to be strong. We're the child of God. Maybe you guys are on top of it. Not really, but that's okay. We are who we are in relationship to God. We are God's children. He is our Father, right? John 13, 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. This verse tells us who we are in relation to Jesus. We are his students and his servants. Jesus is our teacher and our Lord. John 15, 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. This verse tells us who we are in relation to our past. We were once slaves, now we are friends of God. We're free. <coughs> Other verses outside of the Gospels, the four Gospels, they also comment on Christ's uh, work on our behalf. And those continue to shape and inform our identity in Christ. Ephesians 1.4 says, Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. So Christ's work on our behalf means God has chosen us. We are blameless in His sight. Romans 8.1 there, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So Christ's work on our behalf means God does not condemn us if we follow Jesus. We have freedom in Christ. Romans 8.31 uh, Did I miss one? I did. Uh, bless you. from last week or a few weeks ago. Um, did I mess up? I did. All right. Uh, Romans eight thirty one through 33 says, What then shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge uh, against God's elect? It is God who justifies. And then just go down a few down, verses down in 8, uh, 37 says, uh, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Christ's work on our behalf means God justifies us. We cannot escape his love. Philippians 3.20 says, uh, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So Christ's work on our behalf means that God has made a home for us in heaven and that we belong uh, to him. I'm going to go see if I have this video. Maybe it'll work. I don't know. Hopefully it will. You got this. Hang who am I? Am I what I do? An artist? An accountant? A teacher? A mother? Or am I what I've achieved? An honor student? An MVP, a winner. Am I the things I've done right? Or am I defined by the things I've done wrong? Am I a saint? A sinner? What about what others think of me? Am I all of these things? None of these things? Who am I? How I identify myself determines how I approach life. If I am what I do, I'll always need to do more and achieve more to find my value. If I am what others say, I'll always try to please people instead of my Heavenly Father. But if I listen to who God says I am and embrace His identity in me, I'll find the freedom to live out all His plan for me. God calls me His child. He says I am wise and restored, that I'm a brand new creation in Christ. I am chosen and holy and blameless before God. He calls me his masterpiece. I am loved by God. He says I am made complete through the grace and mercy of Jesus my Savior. And when I see myself the way God sees me, I walk with confidence because I trust the one who answers the question, who am I? We have strayed in understanding our identities. Uh, we have placed more stock in how the world sees us and the most important thing about us and what God thinks of us. So in addition to knowing who you are, the journey of following Christ requires you to also understand your role in God's greater story. To live out your identity in Christ involves embracing his mission and his vision for your life. So to live out your true identity by following God's mission. Hey, look, we're, we're back on track. Way to go. But after an identity is embraced, it is something that you walk in and live out. From that core identity, you begin to form values, you begin to form convictions and beliefs. And those things will guide your choices and actions on a day-to-day -day basis. So an identity is not fully realized until it's, it's lived out. And one way it's lived out, the Christian identity is all in. You guys ever play poker? Anybody ever play poker? Put your hands down, I'm a sinner, so I'm just but if you've ever seen anybody play it, or if you play it, you know, sometimes you go all in, you put all your chips in, and saying, I think I'm going to win this hand, nobody else is going to beat me, I'm putting, I'm betting everything I have on this. And that's what the Christian life is, is that you're all in. The identity of a Christ follower can't have one foot in this new way of life, and the other in, in the old ways. You must jump all in as you embrace your new identity in Christ. Matthew chapter 10, uh, 30 and 39 says, Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Luke 9, 6, 9, uh, 9 62 says, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And this was, that was the last thought, last thing that Jesus told his disciples before he sent them out to go work together. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back 
is fit for the kingdom of God. There's a uh, movie, you might ever seen, it's called Saved. It came out probably late 90s, early 2000s. It had Mandy Moore. You guys know who Mandy Moore is? Maybe. She's a singer. A couple people know? Okay. She was in a, in a movie called Saved. Her character was Hilary Faye. And uh, she, Mandy Moore critiques the characters that she portrays and also shows her take on, on faith. Because she says this, I have faith. It only becomes cultish when people start to think that their faith is the only way. I feel bad for Hillary Faye. Her whole identity is her relationship with Jesus. So the problem with Moore's statement is that Jesus really is the only way. And the most fundamental aspect of our identity as Christ followers is our relationship with Jesus. What, what she perceives as cultish is actually just the truth. There's a video of a guy named Trevor Lawrence I want you guys to watch. Maybe. Is that video on there, Brandon? Um, I'm just, that's just kind of always in my personality. Um, and then just growing up, my family's always like, I mean, football is, football's important to me, obviously, but it's just, it's not my life. It's not, uh, it's not like the biggest thing in my life, I would say, uh, well, my faith is. So that just comes from kind of knowing, um, knowing who I am outside of that. So I just know, no matter how big the situation is, it's not really going to define me. This is my identity and you know what, what Christ says, what who he thinks I am and who I know that he says I am. So really like I said, at the end of the day it doesn't really matter what people think about me or how good they think I play or whatever, you know, it doesn't really matter. So that's definitely been a big thing for me, just uh, in my situation, just knowing that, having confidence in that. If you don't know who Trevor Lawrence is, he's a pretty decent football player. He's not too bad. Um, there's, you know, people say he's probably the, maybe the first quarterback taken in the draft, and so he's, he's pretty good. And for him to sit there and say that in his press conference is kind of a big deal, that he knows his identity is not in football, it's in Jesus. And so can you go back to that one, I think it was one right before, that a Christian identity is based on Jesus. Do you see that one? There you go. So Christian identity is, is truly solely based on Jesus. We need to get to a place where Jesus is the basis for our, our whole identity. You may have to forsake other identities that you deeply cherish in order to embrace the identity that you have in Christ. Because what he did for you changes everything. Loving out your true identity in Christ will cause you to stand out. Now you go to that verse, Brendan, 1 Peter. 1 Peter 2, uh, 9 through 10. Did you find it? Did you get it for me? I think it was right past the video. There you go. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. You may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then there was a, yeah. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So Christian identity is discipleship. Hey, look at there. These verses show that our Christian identity should be lived out with other disciples of Jesus. Like this. Right? Look like this. God chooses us to represent him. Did y'all hear me? God chooses you and I to represent him. We are to be set apart. We are called out of darkness to live in the light. Being part of a priesthood means that we are to bring other people to God. That's our calling. It's, it, puts our, it puts feet to our identity. And who are we supposed to be? The people of God. First Peter 2.12 says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, 
so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. In Ephesians 2, 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. To be God's workers made to do good deeds, the world will see them and they will point to God. So what are some of those good deeds? What are some of those good deeds? Do what? Volunteering. Volunteering, yeah. What else? Here's a story of a guy named Doug Nichols. He was a missionary to India. He, was, he contracted tuberculosis and he was sent to a sanitarium there. When he, off, when he uh, offered tracts, you guys know what a tract is? T-R-A-C-T. It's a little piece of paper you can hand out to people that tells them about Jesus. Uh, that kind of thing. Like, he just has some Bible verses, some scripture, that kind of stuff. And so he offered tracts to these people, and the patients refused because they wanted nothing to do with this American or his God. So one night he, kept, he was kept awake by a raspy cough. So Doug noticed an old man that was trying to get out of his bed, and he kept uh, falling back out of weakness. And, and finally, he was just exhausted. He gave up, and he lay still in his bed. He was just crying. It was soon obvious from this, the stench that he'd been trying to get to a bathroom. Doug noted that nurses were angry because they had to clean up the mess, and one of the nurses actually slapped him. So the next night, the same scene repeated. This time, Doug got up. He went over, picked the old man up, carried him to the bathroom, and when finished, carried him back. Speaking an unfamiliar language, the old man kissed him on the cheek. Drifting off to an uneasy sleep, Doug woke in the morning to a steaming cup of tea served to him by another patient. The emotion that he wanted one of those tracks that Doug had. Throughout the day, says Doug, people came to me asking for tracks or gospels of John, so everyone in the hospital had one. Over the next four days, several people gave their life to Christ. All because he did something nobody else wanted to do. Just carried somebody and helped them use a rush. But you have the opportunity to change the world when you begin to live out your identity. John Piper says, God made us who we are to show the world who he is. God made us who we are to show the world who He is. Because each one of us has different ways that we can change the world. Each one of us has different talents, abilities, interests. But each one of us has been made in God's image in some form or fashion to show the world who He is and not, not us. Don't forget who you are along the journey of life. Do not get sidetracked from the mission that God has called you to. There's a guy named Ernest Shackleton. He was uh, heading to Antarctica in 1914. And this is, this is the actual wording from the listing that he had trying to recruit some people. He said, Men wanted for a hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. Shackleton didn't want someone who was only half committed, because that was kind of a big deal to go to Antarctica. It still is. But in 1914, even more so. So the journey of embracing and living out your identity in Christ will not be easy. And think about the things that you, that you, you have that you will get, give, have to give up, some steps you need in order to, to embrace and live out this identity because it's about being all in and not just going in half-hearted. I'm going to pray and then we're going to split up. I don't like I said, teachers, I emailed you guys this week. I don't really have anything typed up where you guys can work on some of this, what, what they can do with their identity, that kind of stuff. I trust you guys wholeheartedly. Let me pray and then we will split up to our, our classes. God, this morning, may we just see what our identity is about. That it's not about us, it's about you. God, everything we do, everything we say should point people towards you.
God, that it's so much bigger than us. It's, it's not about us, God, but it's you. May this next little bit of time in our small groups just uh, dig a little bit deeper and maybe be more applicable and see how it is that we can live our identity now and point people towards you. In your name I pray.